If you're gay, then you're gay. Don't pretend that you're straight. You could be who you are any day of the week. You are unlike the others, so strong and unique. We're all with you. If you're straight, well, that's great. You can help procreate and make gay little babies for the whole human race. Make a world we can live in where the one who you love's not an issue. Cause we're all somewhere in the middle. We're all just looking for love to change the world. Ah. And we're all here in it together. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to IMRU Radio Magazine. The nation's longest-running lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender radio show. Out fun and out loud since 1974. I'm Wenzel Jones. And I'm Steve Pride. Tonight, we'll look back at the Democrat and Republican national conventions with our friends from This Way Out. And in a story that's been delayed a few times, I'll take you to the opening of an LGBT exhibit at the Hollywood History Museum Oh, my God, it's good to be back. I know. We've you been didn't... gone for, like, forever. I know. It seems like it. It seems like at least a month, but it's been, what, three weeks? Maybe. I don't know. And oh, you've no. been... I just got back from San Diego Comic-Con. Abby I... is not here tonight because she just flew in today from Nashville. From Nashville. And you... I was in London. You win the award for Furtherest Return. Thank you very much. And I'm not going to say how bitter I am that you didn't invite me to the Hollywood History Museum event this year. I did. Did I miss it? I think you did, but uh, it was it was really good. We Excellent. met some fun people. I, could tell, I got to meet Julie Newmar. Oh, Julie Newmar. Catwoman. Catwoman. Stupefying Jones and My Living Doll. Mm. Well, there's no transition for this, so let's just right now go <laughs> on to the national and international news from this way out. I'm John Dyer V. And I'm Tanya Kane Perry. With News Wrap. A summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBT communities around the world for the week ending July 30th, 2016. A panel of the U.S. Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals sitting in Chicago ruled on July 28th that federal civil rights laws do not protect LGB people. The decision upheld the lower court dismissal of a lawsuit filed by Kimberly Hively, a former part-time instructor at Ivy Tech Community College in South Bend, Indiana, who claimed that she was denied full-time employment because she's an out lesbian. The judges nevertheless lamented the fact that workplace protections guaranteed under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 do not cover sexual orientation. The judges said that change must come from a ruling by the U.S. Supreme Court or through new legislation from Congress. The clearly sympathetic opinion noted that, It seems unlikely that our society can continue to condone a legal structure in which employees can be fired, harassed, demeaned, singled out for undesirable tasks paid lower wages, demoted, passed over for promotions, and otherwise discriminated against solely based on who they date, love, or marry. It added that current laws 
create a paradoxical legal landscape in which a person can be married on Saturday and then fired on Monday for just that act. The ruling agreed with recent court decisions, however, that transgender people are protected under Title VII provisions that outlaw bias based on sex. Hively could ask for a review of her case by a larger panel of the Seventh Circuit, or she could appeal directly to the Supreme Court. A U.S. federal district court has scheduled hearings on dueling lawsuits involving North Carolina's infamous anti-LGBT law known as HB2. A written order signed this week by a federal magistrate judge says that the trial or trials will begin on November 14th. U.S. District Judge Thomas Schroeder said that he'll decide by then if two lawsuits challenging the controversial law and two defending it should be tried jointly or in some other way. HB2 bans local governments in the state from protecting their LGBT citizens from discrimination and requires trans people to use restrooms and other sex-segregated public facilities based on their birth certificate gender. Britain is courting controversy by opening a new trade office in Raleigh, North Carolina. MP Liam Fox, the Secretary of State for the newly formed Department for International Trade, made the announcement during a visit to Chicago this week. He says he believes that it will boost U.K. trade after the country voted to leave the European Union. It's not clear if Fox is aware of the global controversy surrounding HB2 or if he's just being consistent with his poor record on LGBT issues in Parliament. Dr. Fox voted against civil marriage and adoptions equality. He was absent for votes on repeal of the notorious no-promo-homo-in-schools law, known as Section 28, the Equal Age of Consent law, and gender recognition legislation. Meanwhile, North Carolina's Republican governor, Pat McCrory, has repeatedly claimed that HB2 is the exact same law as 27 other states. In reality, only Arkansas and Tennessee have similar laws banning local LGBT anti-bias protections. And at a rally for GOP presidential nominee Donald Trump in Winston-Salem this week, McCrory whipped up the crowd with a lame attempt at potty humor. If any of you need to use the restrooms... And if you have any questions, go to the Philadelphia Convention where all the Democrats are. Oh, we will, Pat. We will. In a related story, 12 states will file friend-of-the-court briefs this week supporting the Obama administration's guidelines for the fair treatment of transgender students and workers at federally funded schools and universities. Almost two dozen states have challenged the guidelines in two separate federal lawsuits. BuzzFeed News reports that the filing in support of those guidelines is being led by Washington State Attorney General Bob Ferguson. His brief will say that protecting transgender people is strongly in the public interest and that the federal guidance at issue here threatens no imminent harm. Washington State will be joined by California, Connecticut, Delaware, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington, D.C. Most of them already have their own policies banning anti-trans discrimination. Addressing claims by Texas and the other states challenging the guidelines, Ferguson's brief will say that 
Their allegations of safety risks are unsupported hyperbole. Their claimed loss of federal funding is distant and avoidable, and their claims of massive renovation costs lack support in the law and the record. Federal courts have in recent years supported the Obama administration assertion that Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972, both of which ban bias based on sex, ban gender identity discrimination as well. In other news, transgender whistleblower and former Army private Chelsea Manning has been charged with several administrative violations and placed in solitary confinement at the men's military prison at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. Officials there are calling it protective custody. According to a press release from her ACLU attorneys this week, the punishment inexplicably appears to be for surviving a suicide attempt in early July. Manning, who began transitioning after her arrest for sharing thousands of classified documents and videos with the WikiLeaks website in 2010, was found guilty and sentenced to 35 years in the military brig at Fort Leavenworth. Her attorneys filed an appeal of the conviction in May. She's been both hailed as a hero and condemned as a traitor. Manning's attorneys say that details about her suicide attempt have been difficult to come by. While she was reportedly still hospitalized after the reported July 5th incident, an unnamed Army official told a CNN reporter that Manning had tried to take her own life. Her ACLU attorneys denounced the leak as a violation of Manning's medical privacy. Manning has been denied full medical care, including hormone therapy, in her efforts to transition. She hasn't even been allowed to adopt the military's grooming standards for women. Chase Strangio is an ACLU staff attorney, a trans man, and a member of Manning's legal team. While Chelsea is suffering the darkest depression she has experienced since her arrest, he said, the government is taking actions to punish her for that pain. That's News Wrap for the week ending July 30th, 2016. Produced by Steve Pride, written by Greg Gordon, and recorded at the studios of KPFK Los Angeles. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap from This Way Out is brought to you by you. Help keep us on the air and in your ears at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast. For This Way Out, I'm Tanya Kane perry And I'm John Dyer V. Remember, you can hear all 30 commercial-free minutes of This Way Out on the podcast at thiswayout.org and on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Although... Yes. This week, you really don't need to go there because we have the feature that they're airing about the Republican National Convention and the Democratic National Convention on our show tonight. But perhaps they'll like it so much they want to hear it again. Perhaps. We can so only we're going to start with the, um, the more of the two evils. I don't even the know. The more vastly entertaining of the two. I'm staying out of it. I'm banning myself from Facebook because I'm really scared of all my friends now and their posts. Oh, I'm totally sta- – I never say anything political on Facebook. It's frightening. Well, let's take a look right now at the Republican National Convention and the gay side of it with Lucia Chappelle from This Way Out. Most men with nothing would rather protect the possibility of becoming rich than face the reality of being poor. And that is why they will follow us. To the right, ever to the right.
In U.S. politics, the Quadrennial Republican National Convention is usually expected to be a smooth, rather staid event. But 2016 has not been a usual presidential election year. The GOP convocation from July 18th through 21st in Cleveland, Ohio, was clearly going to be a bumpy ride when their prospective nominee for first lady gave an opening night speech that was not entirely original. Gay USA's Andy Hum and Ann Northrup reported on the Melania Trump controversy and other inconvenient convention truths. Melania's famous plagiarism was exposed, if you didn't know, by an African-American gay journalist. It was all blown open by Jared Hill, who uh, used to work with Soledad O'Brien, youngish uh, gay black man. Uh, who was watching the speech and said, wait a minute, I've heard that before. (laughs) (laughs) And he looked up uh, Michelle Obama's uh, convention speeches and said, "Uh, this is the same thing. And he he took the texts, put them together, put them on Twitter, and boom, the world blew up. I don't think it was the biggest crime ever committed, but I do think the crime was how Horribly, they uh, reacted to this and lied about it. And, and, and then they get up and talk about uh, Hillary lying with a straight face. And you have little uh, moments like uh, Trump walking out on Monday night to We Are the Champions, uh, which the band Queen has objected to. Repeat. He's used this repeatedly. They object every time he uses it, and he just keeps using it. I don't care. <laughs> exactly. I don't care. That's what he says. I don't care. <laughs> of course, it distracted from what was a hate fest on the yes, first night. Exactly. I mean, these practically violent speeches that were being spewed there, full of uh, racial hatred, anti-gay. I mean, the only time sexual orientation was mentioned was by Rudy Giuliani in a really horrible speech. But all he was saying was, uh, you know, the cops don't ask what your sexual orientation is when they come to save you, you know, or race or anything like that. But that's it. That's not exactly affirming our rights. It was nice that the Cleveland City Council, just before the Republicans arrived, passed a non-discrimination bill for gender identity, including public accommodations like bathrooms. Uh, That was a little slap in the face to the Republicans. We appreciated that. Meanwhile, the Republican Party has nominated virulently anti-LGBT Mike Pence for vice president of the United States. We knew this was coming, and it just gave me the worst feeling in the pit of my stomach as they moved towards nominating Mike Pence. Not that Chris Christie or Newt Gingrich would have been an improvement. Well, Mike Pence is the governor of Indiana and was in a lot of trouble in terms of being reelected in the state of Indiana because they're sick of him. Even in Indiana, which often votes Republican in presidential elections, mostly votes Republican in presidential elections. But Mike Pence, what a record as a congressman, as a radio talk show host, and as governor. This is a guy who got up on the floor of Congress and said, smoking doesn't kill people. I mean, just to give you an example. Mike Pence has a 100% rating from the NRA when he was in Congress, a zero rating from the Human Rights Campaign, backed by the Family Research Council very heavily, proudly introduces himself as a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order. 
totally anti-abortion. Defunded Planned Parenthood. And Mike Pence was proposing legislation that would punish doctors and ban some forms of contraception. In 2000, he wouldn't allow federal funding to care for people with HIV AIDS unless money was cut to programs that, quote, celebrate and encourage the types of behaviors that facilitate the spreading of the HIV virus. He wanted funds instead dedicated to helping people change the behavior that spreads HIV, he according to him. He voted against the Employment Non-Discrimination Act. He voted against repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. He uh, voted for a constitutional amendment to ban same-sex marriage. This is a bill that had no chance of passing, but mm -hmm. uh, that he voted for. Voted against uh, inclusion of us in hate crimes bills. Voted against anything helping trans students. But they're acting like, oh, nobody knows who Mike Pence is. Well, no, he was quite famous uh, just last year because he signed this uh, really outrageous Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Or, religious uh, Freedom et cetera, Restoration. Et we, we have a picture of him at the bill signing. You know, he surrounds himself <laughs> with nuns and habits. Very few nuns wear habits anymore, so they had to be far right. And some Orthodox Jews are visible there with the hats and all this kind of stuff. But we have another picture which tells you who are the people standing with him. Well, uh, the guy with the beard there is Micah Clark, who believes homosexuality is a treatable disorder. Behind him in the back is Kurt Smith, who equates homosexuality with bestiality, and he helped write the bill. And behind Pence is Eric Miller, who propagandized that pastors could be jailed for preaching against homosexuality. Lies, lies, lies. I mean, this guy is really right wing. And then he, uh, you may also remember, I rewatched this, you can find it on YouTube, the humiliating interview he did with George Stephanopoulos. Advance America right when they say a florist in Indiana can now refuse to serve a gay couple without fear of punishment. Well, l let me explain. Mainstream press accounts generally overlooked Pence's anti-LGBT background and easily took the bait the GOP laid out to give the impression that the party's attitude had evolved. Silicon Valley billionaire Peter Thiel was hailed as the first gay man to identify himself as such on a Republican convention stage. When I was a kid, the great debate was about how to defeat the Soviet Union, and we won. Now we are told that the great debate is about who gets to use which bathroom. This is a distraction from our real problems. Who cares? Of course, every American has a unique identity. I am proud to be gay. I am proud to be a Republican. But most of all, I am proud to be an American. I don't pretend to agree with every plank in our party's platform, but fake culture wars only distract us from our economic decline. And nobody in this race is being honest about it except Donald Trump. Peter Thiel's Republican convention speech was put in perspective by journalist Sam Biddle on Democracy Now! His background ideologically is all over the place. He, um, he, he has stated that democracy and uh, freedom are incompatible. He's uh, said that women should have never had the right 
to vote in the United States. He uh, believes in the construction of man-made islands where uh, the U.S. government has no sovereignty, and now he's a Trump delegate, which I think is really a natural progression uh, in a series of fringe, silly, radical ideas. As nice as it was to see that moment and the applause that came with it, you have to remember the history and direction of the Republican Party. And then he followed that immediately by dismissing transgender rights as a distraction. So I'm not really sure how progressive any of that really was. Fortunately, a consortium of groups, including the National Center for Transgender Equality, bought ad time on the last night of the convention to make it clear that bathroom politics are anything but trivial. I'm a transgender woman. I was born with a male body, but inside I always knew I was female. So I transitioned, and now I live every day as the woman I've always known myself to be. It can be hard to understand what it means to be transgender, especially if you've never met a transgender person. In most states, our laws don't protect transgender people from discrimination in public places or when it comes to using the restroom, something we all need to do every day. I have lived as a woman for many years. Most people, when they stop and think about it, they realize that when businesses can legally force me to use the men's room, it puts me at risk for harassment and violence. Safety and privacy in bathrooms are important for all of us. It's already illegal to enter a restroom to harm someone, and anyone who does that can and should be arrested. Obtaining the law to protect gay and transgender people from discrimination won't change that, but it would help to ensure that people like me aren't mistreated when we need to do something as basic as using the restroom. The convention closed with Trump himself, who dished out another moment designed to warm the hearts of pro-LGBTQ voters. Only weeks ago, in Orlando, Florida, 49 wonderful Americans were savagely murdered by an Islamic terrorist. This time, the terrorist targeted LGBTQ community. No good. And we're going to stop it. As your president, I will do everything in my power to protect our LGBTQ citizens from the violence and oppression of a hateful foreign ideology. Believe me. And I have to say, as a Republican, it is so nice to hear you cheering for what I just said. Thank you. While the mention was groundbreaking by GOP standards, it should be noted that Trump's pledge to protect LGBTQ people from violence was in the context of a speech that stressed law and order with veiled references to Black Lives Matter protesters, hyped Islamophobia, despite the fact that the Pulse Massacre shooters' connections to ISIS are vague at best, and promised no rescue from the domestic religious ideologies laid out in the party's platform. Andy Hum and Ann Northrup discussed some lowlights of that document. Pornography is a public health crisis. Marriage should still be between a man and a woman. Children raised in traditional homes are healthier. Did you know that? Coal is clean energy. Yeah. Parents can force their LGBT children to undergo conversion therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, education includes 
a good understanding of the Bible. Which is indispensable for the development of an educated citizenry. Even the Log Cabin Republican Club, which is trying to support Trump, basically, said this is the most anti-LGBT platform in the party's history. Phyllis Schlafly has been writing the social issues in the platform for many, many years. But now it's the Family Research Council, Tony Perkins. And yeah. Tony Perkins has gotten carte blanche to write the Republican Party platform. Andy and I, for many years, have debated whether there is any point in paying any attention to party platforms. And my position has always been, no. They're just there to appease the extreme wings of the party and give them something to crawl about. And then the nominee and the people who are elected go blithely on their way and pay no attention to the party platform. But in this case, I would say the fact that the Trump people have made no effort to interfere with any of this and are perfectly content to let this stand, they're going to be beholden to these people. Well, it would be very hard to write a platform for Donald Trump since he's taken both sides of every single issue that's ever been in existence. Now, only, not, only two? That is not a joke. I know. That's exactly what he does. Yeah. You can, we can find tape of him on both sides of every issue. Several sides of every issue. Yeah. But this is what the Republicans in Congress actually do when they yes. get power. Yes. Donald Trump has proposed judges to the court that have said we should allow states to ban same-sex marriage, ban sodomy again. It could be reinstated in this country in many states if enough of these judges get on the court. And you be alarmed, be afraid, be very afraid. They don't give up. Just because we have legalized same-sex marriage in this country and passed some non-discrimination laws doesn't mean they accept that. They don't accept yeah, it. We lost on sodomy in 1986, and the court upheld the right to ban sodomy, and it took 17 years to get that overturned by the Supreme Court, but it can be turned back. And Trump really doesn't care about any of this stuff. All he cares about is some judge <laughs> mistreating him in a business lawsuit. That's what he cares about. Yeah. And his business is thriving and his brand increasing. So he doesn't, he doesn't have any well-formed opinions on any of this stuff. People keep asking him if he'll support the Equality Act, and he, no answer, no answer. And you know what Trump said about the really hideous anti-LGBT platform? It's very good. That analysis of the Republican Party platform came from Ann Northrup and Andy Hum of Gay USA. The stage is now set for the Democratic Party's national convention. Presumptive presidential nominee Hillary Clinton predicts a different tone at their gathering. Just remember, love trumps hate. We'll be back in just a minute with our look at the DNC that just finished this week while you were out of the country. Thank you for reminding me that I was, in fact, away. So, yeah, so much to digest there, but uh, we'll do that later. And in the meantime, we will be right back. Personal Best, coming up now on the Rainbow Minute. The first gay games took place in San Francisco in the summer of 1982. The sports competition focused not on winning, but on achieving one's personal best. It was originally billed as the Gay Olympics, but just days before it was scheduled to begin, the U.S. Olympic Committee filed an injunction that disallowed the word Olympics. Their homophobic act created chaos and near collapse as event organizers scrambled to delete the word from posters, programs, t-shirts, and buttons. 
In the end, however, the controversy energized the athletes as well as the spectators. Addressing an enthusiastic crowd of 12,000 at the opening ceremonies, author Rita Mae Brown said, quote, We're here today not to celebrate homosexuality, but to celebrate and affirm individual freedom. The Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns and recorded in the studios at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia and read by volunteers like me, Dustin Richardson. Hello, I'm Barney Frank, and you are listening to IMRU Radio Magazine, out front and out loud since 1974, on KPFK-FM, 90.7 Los Angeles, 98.7 Santa Barbara, 99.5 Ridcrest, China Lake, 93.7 San Diego, or streaming online at kpfk.org. Welcome back. You're listening to IMRU, as Barney said. I am Steve Pride. And I'm Wenzel Jones. And now for something completely different, okay, slightly different, We're moving on to the Democrat National Convention, which will come as news to me because, as I just can't mention enough, I was in London last week. So let's see what the Democrats were up to while I was gone. It was not all rosy at the U.S. Democratic Party's National Convention in Philadelphia, July 25th through 29th, but it was certainly chock full of rainbows. The presidential nominating event boasted a record number of LGBT delegates, 11.5%, and a party platform that is pro-LGBT from top to bottom, although there was some controversy over the exclusion of the letter Q. Some LGBT participants were among the supporters of Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, who campaigned against party favorite Hillary Clinton for the nomination. Their protests over the process occasionally disrupted many pro-LGBT speeches. Overall, the Democrats' convention painted a hopeful picture of the country that stood in stark contrast to the apocalyptic portrait offered by the Republicans the week before. Many speakers stressed the need to solidify the legacy of Barack Obama through the election of Hillary Clinton to keep the country on a steady and relatively progressive path, including the first transgender person to speak at a major party convention. My name is Sarah McBride, and I am a proud transgender American. Four years ago, I came out as transgender while serving as student body president in college. At the time, I was scared. I worried that my dreams and my identity were mutually exclusive. Since then, though, I've seen that change is possible. I witnessed history interning at the White House and helping my home state of Delaware pass protections for transgender people. But despite our progress, so much work remains. Will we be a nation where there's only one way to love, only one way to look, and only one way to live? Or will we be a nation where everyone has the freedom to live openly and equally? A nation that's stronger together? That is the question in this election. Today in America, 
LGBTQ people are still targeted by hate that lives in both laws and in hearts. Many still struggle just to get by. But I believe that tomorrow can be different. Tomorrow we can be respected and protected, especially if Hillary Clinton is our president. And that's why I'm proud to stand here and say that I'm with her. My name is Daniel Driffin, and I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I serve as a co-founder of Thrive SS. Together with more than one million Americans, I'm living with HIV. When the HIV AIDS epidemic first emerged in the 1980s, I wasn't born yet. It was a mysterious virus, then a deadly one too. It seemed to be picking off gay men one by one, especially black and Latino. The community spoke out so that policymakers would take notice. And while some ignored their voices, Hillary Clinton listened. She advocated for the increased funding for prevention and research as First Lady, and then worked to increase the funding in the Senate. As Secretary of State, Hillary helped to ensure that 6.7 million people around the world got access to antiretroviral therapy. And she cracked down on the stigma around the virus and helped lift the travel ban with the help of the Congressional Black Caucus, which prevented people with HIV AIDS from entering our country. As a result of her work and the work of so many others, many who are here tonight, the number of new HIV diagnoses are on the decline. In the United States, by nearly 20% over the last decade for certain populations. And who are most at risk? Young, gay, black men. Men like me. In fact, one in two gay black men will be diagnosed with HIV in their lifetime if current rates continue. And if we have enough data, I'm sure black transgender women are more at risk too. So what do we do to fight HIV AIDS today? We invest in research and education. We expand treatment and prevention. And we elect Hillary Clinton. I'm Tina Kotek, Vice Chair of the Democratic Legislative Campaign Committee and Speaker of the House from the great state of Oregon. As the first lesbian speaker of any state house in our nation, I have personally witnessed the tremendous progress towards equality and justice for the LGBTQ community. We have come so far, and we cannot, we cannot go back. We need leaders like Hillary Clinton who will stand up to the bullies who threaten fairness and equality. Hillary Clinton is our answer to intolerance and fear. And I have her back because I know she stands with all of us. There were some initial concerns about Clinton vice presidential pick Virginia Senator Tim Kaine, a moderate Democrat with a Jesuit background. However, Kaine has a high rating from the Human Rights Campaign, and California Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom reminded the delegates just how bad Kaine's counterpart is. While it was refreshing to finally see an openly gay man speak at a Republican convention, 
It doesn't remove the stain of selecting Mike Pence, America's most anti-LGBT governor. Pence has supported overt discrimination. He's even advocated for diverting taxpayer dollars to so-called conversion therapy. Make no mistake, conversion therapy is not about praying away the gay. It's an emotional torture against our most innocent citizens, our children. Telling them that to live, they must lie. Lie about who they are and lie about who they love. That is fundamentally un-American. Famous folks and heavy hitters came out in force for Clinton. My dream was to play in the NBA and live my authentic life as a proud gay man at the same time. Jason Collins became the first openly gay player in the NBA. I was able to accomplish both of those goals because of the people who have supported me throughout my life. Before I came out to the world on the cover of Sports Illustrated, I came out privately to the Clinton family. I've known their family for almost 20 years. I knew that they would accept me for who I was and that they would help pave a path for others to do the same. They knew that my sexual orientation made no difference in my ability to play basketball. Just as someone's gender makes no difference in his or her ability to lead our nation. Hillary has defended the LGBT community for years, from co-sponsoring the Matthew Shepard Hate Crimes Prevention Act to helping pass the first ever UN resolution on LGBT human rights to making sure transgender individuals' passports could reflect their true gender. As both an African-American and a member of the LGBT community, the choice for continued progress is clear. This November, we must elect Hillary Clinton as our next president. The Hillary Clinton that I first got to know as a closeted kid growing up in Arkansas has always been willing to stand up for the voiceless. And she's made fighting for equality a cornerstone of her campaign. Chad Griffin leads the human rights campaign. While Donald Trump has promised to legalize Kim Davis-style discrimination in all 50 states, Hillary Clinton has promised to sign the Equality Act into law. And long before Donald Trump struggled to read the letters LGBTQ off a teleprompter last week, Hillary Clinton stood before the United Nations and boldly declared that gay rights are human rights and human rights are gay rights. And I want to remind Donald Trump the LGBTQ community is as diverse as the fabric of our nation. We are Muslim. We are Jewish. We are women. We are black, white, and Latino. We are immigrants and we are people with disabilities. And when you attack one of us, you are attacking all of us. And that, my friends, is why together we are all with her. One of the most moving speeches at the Democratic National Convention came from Christine Leinonen, the still grief-stricken mother of one of the people murdered at the Pulse Massacre in Orlando, Florida. It takes about five minutes 
for a church bell to ring 49 times. I know this because last month, my son Christopher, his boyfriend Juan, and 47 others were murdered at a club in Orlando. Christopher was my only child. As I used to tell him, you can't do better than perfect. <laughs> he had so many friends, two of whom are here tonight representing hundreds and hundreds more. All his life, he brought people together. In high school, he won the Anne Frank Humanitarian Award for starting the Gay-Straight Alliance. Christopher's paternal grandparents met and fell in love in a Japanese internment camp. So it was in his DNA that love always trumps hate. Christopher was a big Hillary supporter. That's why I'm here, so that I can tell you about the day he was born. At the time, I was a Michigan State Trooper. When I went into labor, the hospital put my off-duty gun in a safe. I didn't argue. I know common sense gun policies save lives. The weapon that murdered my son fires 30 rounds in one minute. I'm glad common sense gun policy was in place the day Christopher was born. But where was that common sense the day he died? I never want you to ask that question about your child. That's why I support Hillary Clinton. That was Christine Leinonen, whose son Christopher was killed at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando. Another prominent mom absolutely brought the convention house down, First Lady Michelle Obama. I am here tonight because in this election, there is only one person who I believe is truly qualified to be President of the United States, and that is our friend, Hillary Clinton. Someone who understands that the issues a president faces are not black and white and cannot be boiled down to 140 characters. Look, because when you have the nuclear codes at your fingertips and the military in your command. You can't make snap decisions. You, you can't have a thin skin or a tendency to lash out. You need to be steady and measured and well-informed. And when crisis hits, we don't turn against each other. No, we, we listen to each other. We lean on each other. 
because we are always stronger together. And I am here tonight because I know that that is the kind of president that Hillary Clinton will be. And that's why in this election, I'm with her. I wake up every morning in a house that was built by slaves. And, and, and I watch my daughters, two beautiful, intelligent black young women, playing with their dogs on the White House lawn. And because of Hillary Clinton, my daughters and all our sons and daughters now take for granted that a woman can be President of the United States. Don't let anyone ever tell you that this country isn't great. That somehow we need to make it great again. Because this right now is the greatest country on earth. And that was our very own Greg Gordon who did that piece, and thank you very much for that. You missed all last week. That's amazing. I know. I, it sounds like I really missed something, too, because I, I was I, away in London. I London, believe. Yes. yes, thank you. And I want to reassure everyone, <laughs> we did not miss the Green Convention. It just hasn't happened yet. It's this week. It's Thursday through Sunday in Houston. Oh, where in Houston? I don't know. In Some... Houston. And the Libertarians, in case you're wondering... That happened back in May in our hometown of Orlando. Oh, Orlando. <laughs> so much to keep up with. <sighs> anyway, there's one show. I'm losing my voice suddenly. There's one feature that we've been postponing over and over because we've been off the air for Fun Drive. Back in June, the Hollywood History Museum opened a display of LGBTIQ items, and I was there. I'm Kat Kramer. Well, I'm here because um, I always support the museum, and I'm one of the stars of Child of the 70s. I'm also an associate producer on season three and four, and it's been featured in this exhibit. And I know a lot of the, you know, talent and creators, I guess, that are represented. And then my father, Stanley Kramer, we have some Stanley Kramer, a whole mad world with the dummies of Jonathan Winters and Mickey Rooney, and there's a whole mad world section here at the museum. I'm also an uh, LGBT activist, an anti-bullying activist. I did a film, Teach Your Children Well, which Lily Tomlin narrated, all about bullying in the schools and LGBT bullying. And Well, she's the ambassador to my screening series. We do a lot of social issues together, but that's one that I'm really proud that I presented because it's not only a leading documentary on the subject, but it's used in schools and churches and to really address the bullying issue. I'm Reverend Troy Perry, and I'm at this event tonight because uh, I'm one of the three founders of the oldest gay pride parade in the world, and that's here in Los Angeles, California, the Christopher Street West Parade. Are you a big fan of Carly Rae Jepsen? Of who, I'm sorry? That's the big star we have at Pride this year. <laughs> it's a little bit about the importance of gays in the movie. That's what we hear. Gays in films, that's right. I've always loved 
different people at different times throughout history. Now, as a gay man, I also love people who uh, were not GLBT, but were wonderful icons of our community. I used to live near Betty Davis over in West Hollywood, and Betty Davis was one of those uh, actresses that I just adored. Another person that I really loved was Burt Lancaster. Burt for another reason, because he was one of our earliest allies, and uh, our fundraiser against the Briggs Initiative, when they were going to fire every gay school teacher in the state of California at that time, Burt Lancaster emceed our dinner, our first major fundraiser in our community. It was incredible because as a young man, I used to uh, fantasize about him and to have him introduce me that night as part of the program just made my heart flutter. So when I look around today, I'm thankful, uh, uh, you know, Sal Minio was somebody who lived in West Hollywood that uh, I watched him rape Don Johnson every night in uh, Fortune in Men's Eyes, the play. And, as, and Don Johnson then was just a teenager. I mean, it was really funny. But I look back and I love this city and I loved all of those folks who are in television, who are in uh, cinema or are on stage who have made a difference for all of us too. I'm Erin Murphy, and you probably know me from playing Tabitha on Bewitched. I'm here because I love the Hollywood Museum, and I come to almost everything that Janelle throws here. And I'm here because I'm speaking tonight, because I am a huge supporter of the LGBTQ community, and anytime someone asks me to talk about why, I talk about it. Is there anything in particular you're looking forward to seeing upstairs? Kind of everything. It's interesting here because they constantly change the exhibit, so I'm excited to see. I, I'm a girl, so I like the fashion. <laughs> you know? Did you know that KPFK is my favorite radio station? This is Julie Newmar. Well, it's very important, isn't it, for the LGBT community to be celebrated? And I think there's one of my costumes downstairs. I've been a fan since Little Abner. I did some theater with Peter Palmer. I love that film. Yes, we were in Little Abner together on Broadway at the St. James Theater. Oh, what a thrill that was. That was so much fun, Little Abner. It even turned into a good movie. So what is your favorite movie that you've done? That's a good question. I always think it's the next one, but I'm fooling myself. Well, who's your favorite Catwoman? Meow! That's a catty question, and you know it. I'm Mitch O'Farrell, Los Angeles City Council member representing the 13th District. Here in Los Angeles, we're in Hollywood tonight at the Hollywood Museum with the uh, opening of Real to Real depictions of gays and lesbians in Hollywood. It's the third year running every June uh, that we do this exhibition uh, with uh, Danelle Dadigan of the Hollywood Museum and her team of curators. And it's an incredible exhibit. And so this is the kickoff opening party. What are you excited most about this year? Well, I'm excited about so much. You know, we have the freedom to marry now across the nation from less than one year ago now. We are more focused than ever on the rights of our transgendered community. So that's a real hot topic and theme that's nationwide. And so it's important to have events like this to remind us of where we've been because it gives us an indication of where we're going. I have long believed that when 
The civil rights of any group of individuals or any group of people are diminished, then civil rights for everyone are diminished. So this is sort of a focus to let people know that we have a lot farther to go. Just because equality is now the law of the land doesn't mean that discrimination is illegal because in fact discrimination is perfectly legal in several states. You could get married in Alabama today and get fired from your job tomorrow because it's legal to do that there and so many other states. So the march, the effort continues and events like this raise that awareness. Things have changed and even this first female presidential candidate leading the ticket speaks of inclusiveness and freedom to express who you are no matter who you are. And I think Hillary Clinton is really taking that message forward. And then the opposite side of the coin, the Republican nominee is talking about building walls and marginalizing people with his actions and his words. And so there's an alternative for Americans to keep leaning toward the future that includes everyone or looking to the past where exclusion and discrimination is part of the deal. So it's a very pivotal time in the country. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Real to Real Portrayals and Perceptions of Gays in Hollywood runs through Sunday, September 4th, and the Hollywood History Museum is located at 1660 North Highland Avenue, which is Hollywood Boulevard and Highland. Excitement. Well, that's it for tonight. Our thanks to IMRU's coordinating producer, Steve Pride, our director, Michelle Marie Gilkison, our board op, Keanu Williams-Turner, our social media goddess, Miss Barbecue, and our Rainbow Minute producers, Judd Proctor and Brian Burns. And thanks to everyone who made our recent fun drive a success. And I'm excited Miss B is here tonight. And who is it? We'll close with a celebrity-infused a cappella version of Rachel Platten's fight song produced by Elizabeth Banks for last week's Democrat National Convention. Good night. Good night. Like a small boat on the ocean Sending big waves into motion Like how a single word can make a heart open I might only have one match, but I can make an explosion And all those things I didn't say Wrecking balls inside my brain I will scream and loud tonight Can you hear my voice this time? This is our I've still got a lot of fight left in me. Losing friends and I'm chasing sleep. Everybody's worried about me. I'm in too deep. Said I'm in too deep. Well, it's been two years and I miss my home. But there's a fire burning in my bones. Still believe. Yeah, I still believe. And all those things I didn't say. Wrecking balls.
raise a child, prepare them to run a nation. We got some hard choices, but together we're gonna make it. We living in history. America, take a bow. We're about to show the world that yeah, women are equal now. Like a small boat on the ocean, sending big waves into motion. Like how a single heart can make a heart open. I made only have one match. But I can make an explosion. This is our fight song. Hey.